Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm rolling. We're, we're gonna get started. Welcome to the Interlube Radio. I'm Rachel Coons. And I'm Courtney Sexton. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you stream from. And for all of our loyal listeners out there, don't forget to leave us a review telling the world how much you love us. And for all our new listeners out there here on the Interloop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration or craft, what makes a great ghost story, or how to construct the perfect sonnet, or just how we all sit down each day in front of an empty page. We play clips of local writers reading their work at our monthly reading series, and we invite a few of those writers to join our discussion. On today's show, in honor of Valentine's Day, we want to talk about love as inspiration. Ah, love. <laughs> <laughs> the great philosopher Plato said, quote, at the touch of love, everyone becomes a poet. Oh, Isn't that so good? It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. Whenever you fall in love, you want to sing to the sky, stop passerbys on the street. <laughs> passersby. <laughs> On the street, uh, publish manifestos all about your love. Uh, yeah, I mean, you go crazy and you just want to talk about it. Or, like, keep it buried inside of yourself because you're like, I don't believe this could be happening to me. <laughs> no, I'm being, you know, a little email. But really, look at Shakespeare. He wrote uh, 154 sonnets on love alone. <laughs> Then you have to think about all the work out there that has been been written on unrequited love, lost love, lack of love, troubled love, impossible love. And then there's, you know, the more platonic Plato back, Plato, back oh, out there. Oh. Oh. <laughs> you know, familial, brotherly, self-love. Love of God, love of country, love of pets. Peppy love. <laughs> How do you write about love and it not be totally cheesy and like, oh God, here we go again. I haven't really figured that out um, yet. Me neither, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, you think about, you, you have your days of, like, you know, your your, te- your teenage writing self where you're just, like, experiencing everything for the first time, and that's, like, a very Ooh. new kind of I'm in love. sense, and so you just, you, you want to you wanna pour it all out, and it's very, like, uh, <laughs> bad, usually. <laughs> It's, it's raw. It's so raw. Bad. It's raw. Uh, yeah. Right? It's like, I have feels. And yeah. I feel really I feel feely. all of them. <laughs> Let me tell you about how I feel. Oh, my God. Um, I think now I don't I don't generally write about love directly ever. Yeah. Um, I think that it comes through in the things that I have passion for when I write about those. Um, or trying to show more um and again it's that whole that that comes back to the debate of show versus tell in writing but how do you you know especially for family like I've been on a kick with you know as my parents are starting to age 
no offense, mom and dad. Like, I'm not like, you know, you guys. Hi, <laughs> mom. You don't, dad. You, you don't act old. <laughs> but, like, my reflection on that and my expression of love for them mm. through the years. Isn't that interesting how the love you feel for your parents changes so yes. much? Yeah. And so that As has come out old. in writing yeah. differently. You know, when I when I depict them in essays, I mm-hmm. see how that changes. Um, you focus on different elements of their personality and their personhood and you see them, you know, you see them differently, obviously, but, um, as more of independent people. Yeah. And I think that's a way of showing. But also your relationship to them. Yeah. Deepened and totally has layers and, you know, maybe that's how you can really get at love in this way. You can focus on the nuances. Mm hmm. But speaking of familial love, like, I, Jordan's birthday's coming up, and so I've been thinking a lot about Jordan is her daughter. <laughs> if you haven't listened to an episode before, because <laughs> I mention her every month. She um, hates me. <laughs> um, but I've been thinking about, you know, when she was born, and obviously how she's changed my life and she's everything. She's a Valentine baby. Yeah, she's a Valentine baby. Um... But yeah, I mean, the love that I feel from her for her is something I've never felt before. And like, I feel the urge to articulate, find a way to articulate it because it is different than any other love that I've felt, you mm-hmm. know? So, and it has this like nuance and this layer and it changes, it changes every, day. every day. Right. Especially yeah. because she's changing so much. Every so day. fast. It's crazy. But how? she's becoming a person. She's different every day. And yeah, the love that we share is it's changing. But it feels impossible. It feels impossible to even begin. So I don't know. I think maybe like you have to let it creep in where it will creep in. And don't like set out. To write about it specifically. To, yeah, convey. But I think that then you can go back and expand on those things. Like Mm -hmm. when you do find them in something and you touch upon it and you realize, oh, oh, there's something there. There's a nugget there that I haven't really explored fully. I think that is a good way to, to start and then kind of build out if you really do want to try to you know write a song or an ode or a whatever a more traditional manifestation of love so i think songwriting is really the dude okay i mean that's the only way that i think i'm is glad good. that you mentioned songwriting <laughs> <laughs> I was, because i was just about to transition into our little experiment that we're gonna do oh uh, and we asked the guests to do it but they might be a little shy but i'm going all in on it hey okay. girl hey. there's a very thick leather bound <laughs> book here full of frayed this? pages some of them may even be burned by cigarettes they, on the yeah, edges they definitely have clove <laughs> like holes in them of course for it's eyes <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah this is my notebook from when i was 19 oh, man. i've been writing in journals since i was seven and i've always fancied myself back then i wanted to be a singer Right. So I would write song lyrics, even though I have no musical talent. Yeah. And I didn't even come up with melodies for them or anything. I would just it's write just, song lyrics. Well, I mean, that's a, that's its own thing. job thing. But I think you have to have some sense of yeah, music. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think that I was quite naive. But anyway, <laughs> soon these song lyrics like morphed into poetry, like poetry right. type stuff. So I have a lot oh. of bad poetry in here. I don't have any bad poetry. The worst. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't want to throw something at you. So what I asked our guest to do, and I asked Courtney, and I'm going to start us off. I'm going to kick it off, is what is the worst thing you've ever written about love? Oof. 
And honestly, I can't decide. <laughs> There's so many awesome examples in here. Um, but I opened this notebook randomly. Okay. And came upon this. Oh, I'm excited now. <laughs> Come on, share so it. Good. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Thoughts and emotions approach the foreground, crouched for battle. <laughs> Independence draws his bow in anticipation. Oh, no. <laughs> Love initiates eternal war with a hurl of his spear. Ooh. The soldiers of reason mingle with the Ooh, assassins. The soldiers of reason, I like that. That's like a good that? Thought. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> with, well, you're going to like this next part then. With the assassins of desire in the stew of struggle. Oh. <laughs> that alliteration with the allegorical like thing going on here. It's, so it's, it's fantastic. Deep. It is so good. I don't know where it goes from here. It goes, it goes, I don't know. The unplanned rivalry smothers the stillness of solitude. Peace fled the battlefield to a place of refuge. She was like, fuck it. Far from the spoils of combat. She is found in one look. I lift my eyes to capture her in the face of sweet surrender. My sight encompassing but little of the euphoria she has too often. Also, like, do you know what I took from that the most? We both automatically gendered peace as a woman. Yes, but love is a man. Weird. Isn't that odd? And wait, what was the other one? Independence is also a man. Hmm. 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 But peace, though. Peace, though. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then I was going to compare that that horror show um, to something I found, which I was like, that's actually not bad. Okay. 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 And then we could talk about why one is just horrifying and the other one kind of works. Right. I mean, I'm not saying this is like publishable. Okay. Still 19. But I didn't think it was fair to compare something I wrote when I was 19. To something you wrote like now. At 35. Yeah. Okay. There's a whole life in between that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something else I wrote at 19. But this one is not terrible. So we could talk about Well, I mean, let others be the judge of that. All right. You calm down. Okay. I read it for James (laughs) and he said it wasn't terrible. Okay. Yeah, but he loves you. (laughs) (laughs) Silly. All right. Here we go. What is that color? Not the blue of the sky, too light. Not the blue of the sea, too green. Not the blue of the night, too dark. Not the blue of my tears, too dull. What is this blue that glows in the dark and pierces through fog, shines brighter than the sun? This blue that creates all blues, my blues. Blue is not the color that made my heart jerk, made my appetite fade, made my soul scream. It isn't called blue, the color that made me love you. Aww. Isn't that pretty good? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'll give you that. (laughs) That's pretty good. So I was going to say what makes like this one so horrible is that it's so vague. There's no like specifics in it. It's just like really trying to like epitomize all love everywhere. Well, it's vague, but it's also like hits you over the head with like those tropes of... So awful. Well, it's a it's a particular aesthetic. It's a particular kind of awful. <laughs> I may have been a classics major. That's, okay, I mean that comes through. <laughs> that comes through. Um, no, the other one. I mean, it's ephemeral in a different way, you know, because it is similarly vague, but it conveys a feeling more concretely somehow. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of. Um, 
blue is this thing that people hold up as the color blue actually i've heard like bluettes the whole book about blue that's a whole yes well i was thinking of rebecca solnit's the blue of distance which is an essay which i fell in love with several years ago and i come back to a lot um it does kind of for some reason we've all decided that like blue is that thing that we can't Mm -hmm. touch it's like the ephemeral yeah Mm. anyway it's interesting all right you go 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 okay what do you got for us i don't have um my bad stuff is packed up in boxes uh i will say though most of most of my love writing came in the form of or went in the form of letters so I don't have it anymore Mm -hmm. I was a big love letter writer (laughs) I like that was an M I would say I still was and am do I want a love letter yeah I'm I I I think you should write Jordan a love letter for her birthday I could do that having been born on Valentine's Day I will read you something that's not bad how about that do it um and I've read this before this is kind of a sad love poem. <laughs> Recent? Uh, not anymore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so no is the word to that. The, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's within the past decade at least. Um, it's called Intention. What I meant to say when I said don't call me on my birthday was that it is pomegranate season again, or maybe pomegranates are in season again. And yesterday, while I peeled one, I thought of how I used to peel them for you, standing at the sink, barefoot in the kitchen. They bleed so beautifully when they are first split, and I love to coax the seeds from the honeycomb chambers of skin as my fingers pink and pucker. You would eat them before the ritual ended, pluck one by one from the jar where I was saving them, until finally I was through, with the rinds laying broken, piecemeal, and ready for the trash. I almost don't believe that they were ever the bearer of this fruit that passed between us over the kitchen sink. And I think about Persephone and wonder, what if she meant only to touch it, that one seed that changed the season? And when my mother called them Chinese apples, was what she meant to say, doesn't it bleed so beautifully, this fruit that passes between us over the kitchen sink? I remember this poem. Yeah. So that has a couple of different kinds of... And you have some classics in there, too. Yeah. I thought a lot about... I mean, yeah, it's obviously... I mean, it's obviously based in mythology. And I thought a lot about not including Persephone by name. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But she snuck in there, you know. She's like, no, bitch, you will name me. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I love it. So that's... that's I love it because it's, like, unexpected. Yeah. It's it's that trying to get at it without calling it by name. Mm-hmm. I guess. I like it. I, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, why don't we bring in some of our inner loop um, veterans who have written about love. And are actually good at it. In all its forms. And they're actually good <laughs> at it. And they're not 19. Okay. But I do have some quotes. I mean, there are like millions of insightful quotes out there about love. So I just wanted to incorporate a few into the show. Mm-hmm. And this block, I thought this one was apropos. It's okay. by James Baldwin. Quote, nice. Love does not begin and end the way we seem to think it does. Love is a battle. Love is a war. Love is growing up. Love is battlefield no no no. (laughs) all right i mean pat she knows what she's talking about (laughs) 
Up next, we'll be bringing in some DC writers who have attempted to convey love in their writing. show on love and writing about it write about love is a great album by bell and sebastian by the way uh <laughs> we would like to welcome interlude veteran who is a master of love poetry payman aliverdizade hello even Thanks. your name sounds lovely <laughs> <laughs> it just, sounds like a, a love poet's name it, it is just a farsi just like makes it like so melodic yeah like, payman i'm like what is that <laughs> <laughs> that's nice so tell us about love oh love um <laughs> god it's it's so great um it's, so great. <laughs> it's like when you're confronted with actually trying to describe it you're like oh yeah. um I, th- there's been like so many times i've been confronted by love itself and yeah it is it just like makes i was listening to you to to talk and yeah everything pauses around you to an extent Mm. um it there is the sense that i personally enjoy that some beauty that can bring you close to tears and i've been in situations Mm. that i've just looked at someone and been like and 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 that is the sort of the superficial level of it. You're like, oh, you don't know if you know you're a good match or if you if they like you or anything. But you just look at someone and say, wow, like I can't be here physically because this is too painful of a beauty. <laughs> and, like you're feeling. <laughs> just listen to this man. I love it. Yeah. Wow. I I was at the gym one time. I walk in and this woman is just doing her thing, and like we hear stories of like men going in and interrupting people especially like you're working out and minding your own business and so I was like it's like obviously I can't do anything here there's like no yeah. way and I was just like like and I can't stare at someone constantly at the gym <laughs> so I just left I was like I, I don't think I, I can't can. bear this <laughs> yeah and that was years ago and finally I wrote a poem about this it just took me Years. Do you have it? Yeah. Can you read it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a, to, a fair warning. I changed gym to a cafe because <laughs> I thought, like, it's not cool to <laughs> talk about the gym. But po- yeah, poetic license is what we call right. That. Absolutely. Let me see. Um, there was a woman I saw once at a cafe. She was so beautiful that it almost made me cry. Have you not cry facing beauty? I have. So I left the cafe and I still talk about her years later. Then I met you and your love and beauty brings tears to my eyes too. So sometimes you really have to leave before you arrive at your house. Sometimes love is here but you need to travel for it. Um, February 6, 2019. <laughs> What I love about that, <laughs> about that kind of poem is the honesty in it and and that fact that it stayed with you so long and, and needed to take a while before it could come out. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so what's an example of something that you tried to articulate love and it didn't come out? 
the way um, you wanted it or you or know or surprising surprised you oh interesting question that um like you thought you were experiencing the feeling one way but when you started writing about it it was Right. Yeah. So this has been a very interesting struggle for me. Um, I've lived away from my family for a long time. I moved out when I was 16. Mm. Um, and I feel like every poet writes about family one way or another. Um, and we experience some, some of us struggle with our family. Some of us love our family. Some of us have members that we've lost. And and I love my family. We get along so well. I just, like, I talk to my mom, like, every good brown boy, <laughs> like, four times a week. Nice. <laughs> just this tiny report. Okay. <laughs> but, but I still have not been able to write a single poem about my sister, my mom, my dad, mm. my family at large. The, the closest I've gone to writing anything is... Um, a brief mention of my grandma's allergies and her relentless work <laughs> in her garden in Whoa. springtime, and that's that's the line. That's the closest I've been able to, and and it's hard. Like, um, so remember, I had a book came out, and yes. I sent you know my parents a copy, and I was like, man, they're gonna like feel feel like this Aww. son is he's not, he's, there's nothing in this for us. <laughs> so that that would be an example for me. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I wonder though if I mean so you're conscious of that and I think we all are when we're writing you know for you to send that just the very act of writing somehow imbues love. Mhm. I think. And so whether it's clear or intentional for a person or a thing, it, you need to have some kind of love inside of you to do it at all. Right. I th you definitely need that love. Like it's it's already such a hard topic to write as besides the technical uh, right. besides sorry besides the emotional part of it, the technicality of it. Mm -hmm. Rilke had that it, mm -hmm. in the letters to mm -hmm. a young poet. He was like, "Don't go about writing love poems because because <laughs> you're like, gonna suck." Yeah, and who are you competing against? Shakespeare, yeah. like, stop it. Yeah, like that's yes. just like so. I so I focus so much writing about random things that happened in my life mm -hmm. because you know, like, what am I gonna write like love poems that can compete with Pablo Neruda? That's just not gonna work out. Like, <laughs> but you are very prolific in love poems. So what attracts you keeps like drawing you back. Um, I think the sense of simplicity, love, like the initial love, uh. it brings this very childlike oh, uh -huh. um, lightness, and I and I do enjoy so much. Um, in terms of lightness that poetry has, at least in the po poems that I like, I think that's it. And and um, I I love loving so much. <laughs> Well, let's hear yeah, another, yeah, another example. Sure. Um, <laughs> this one is called um, We All Smell Like Lavender. How beautiful you are today with your anxieties stored away in a red box, your shoes sure of where to go, and your hands two beautiful bowls collecting the heavenly mercy. I can hear your hum with your blue eyes and slim body smoking your fourth cigarette before noon entangled in your verses, closed like a fist, waiting to blossom at the end of this poem. 
oh, this city and you and this coffee and my imagination all riding in a blue Corvette. What mm. fun. Who says, really, who says poets suffer all the time? I wash my own sorrows in shower and hang them to dry on a chair. Will knows how to spin dark verses and knit scarves for the cold. Mary Ellen makes healing balms with words. We all smell like lavender and whiskey and coffee and lovers to come. I took my joys and madness for a night out with a pocket full of confetti and crumbled dollar bills. I confess, I hope to see you and wish to drink from your mouth. You should have seen me. You should have seen me. I was as beautiful as a saint in a Catholic grandmother's dreams. You were not anywhere to be found, though, and stars were falling on my hair. Night was wrapping herself around me. She was dark and full of mysteries. She asked me to come in. January 23rd, 2018, Washington, D.C. Um, I really do like lavenders. And, <laughs> and uh, so the, I also do, um, I, I date and I don't date monogamously. So, oops, sorry. Uh, so dating non-monogamously is not necessarily just wanting to date other people, though I do like that. <laughs> it's, that it's, nice. this, it's There's just so much love out there. There's I think so it's much to give and receive. Yeah. <laughs> and you love loving so much. I do love loving so much. <laughs> the, what strikes me about that poem in particular are the simple uh, things that are beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like the you smoking your fourth cigarette mm-hmm. is not a pretty image, Mm-mm. but the noticing of that person doing that and taking the time to talk about them and 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 give them the space in that poem is a way of writing about love. Mm-hmm. And what is like the most che- I mean cheesy way to say it is like beauty right. is in the eye of beholder. Right. Like mm-hmm. love does that. Yeah, love makes you look at something. Um, I heard you talk about Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, beautiful, cool baby. Like, but <laughs> the way you look at your baby mm-hmm. and feel that love is so different because totally. the, you feel that direct connection. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I look at her and say, oh, you know, I love babies. Babies are cool. <laughs> but th- th- when the lover looks at the one who are loving mm-hmm. be it you know the the romantic or that holy or friendly family love it's just so different mm-hmm. like as if it just blocks all the noise around it and you're just so focused there so true i think we have time for one more if yeah. you want to yeah. share yeah so i th- you know i said i don't i never consider myself to write love poetry and like i end up writing them mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when when i was thinking what i will prepare for i was like oh man i do have a lot of <laughs> <laughs> love poems um there you go this one is called you rainy day i'm thinking of you and not just now i have been thinking of you all day i am thinking of you in this chet baker solo and in all the things i wish to tell you it is rainy in Mount Pleasant. Poets are living in planter boxes and waiting to blossom come spring. Chet is blowing his trumpet. More rain is falling and I'm thinking of you. How you hold your cup when drinking coffee or any hot beverage. I would trust you with carrying my heart in your palms. It's a rainy winter day, all right. Thanks heaven, this cafe has the soft yellow lights and not the white fluorescent bulbs. <laughs> Who knows of nothing of the romantics or the mystery of flower? Those lights make me lonely. 
When I woke up this morning, my eyes open and they were calling your name. When I was leaving, I left my fragile desires to be a full-time hero on the countertop. Maybe, maybe my cat will kick it to the ground and smash it to a thousand pieces. I'd rather be a little bit of a hero on occasion than give up all the times I wanted to crawl under the blanket, hold you and cry. Isn't this happiness? I mean, drinking coffee, writing poetry, thinking of you, and crying when I want. <laughs> February 7, 2018, Washington, D.C. Oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Well, I love it. I feel like I could tell that you love loving. <laughs> no, it's true, but it makes you, it's infectious. Right? It is. And people who really, genuinely, truthfully feel that, mm-hmm. it's it comes through, and also the place comes through a lot in your poetry and that's important to it and that's yeah we didn't really talk much about love of place but i think that yeah and i feel i felt like it was another bag of worms yeah yeah absolutely absolutely oh thank you so much for sharing your love with us (laughs) (laughs) um in light of this conversation my quote for this block which i think is just perfect for payman is uh from sophocles Quote, one word frees us all of the weight and pain of life. That word is love. Up next, we're going to turn from romantic love to self-love. But before we do that, let's hear Timothy DeLiza read a poem on familial love. I don't know how to say love to my father. And so I mow the lawn. My father doesn't know how to say love to me and so he lets me mow the lawn Get started. We're officially getting started. Not teasing you this time. We've been discussing love as inspiration, and joining us to talk about self-love in her writing is Interloop veteran Alice Sandosaraj. Welcome. Thank you, veteran. Ooh. Yeah. It's a lovely adjective. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. Thank so you for having me. Tell us about love. Uh, love, a self-love, uh, I think is pretty complicated. At least it has been for me. Because mm-hmm. um, so much of it, I think, is as women is tied up with our physical mm-hmm. appearance. Totally. Um, which is what I'll be reading for us today. But thinking about how you feel about your physical appearance and how that impacts how much you love yourself mm-hmm. and how... I mean, if you're anything like me, my physical appearance changes a lot. You know, my weight changes a lot. Mm-hmm. My... You know, I'm aging. I'm getting older. It's happening. It's, <laughs> it is. Like, we can't do anything about it. Apparently. No, I'm just clinging like as hard as I can. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting to think about how that fluctuates and what impacts your self-image and how that adjusts your self-love. And sometimes, sometimes it's complicated, right? Sometimes you come across self-love in ways that aren't. How do I say it? That aren't. Um, that maybe aren't as like think they're not things you're proud of. I mm. guess I would say. Okay, totally. Yeah, 
I feel like, you know, everybody can relate to struggling with self-love, I think. But especially, like you say, women, I think. Because there's so much pressure. There's so many expectations. Absolutely. Um, unspoken expectations as well. And you have to navigate all of that to figure out how can I just be happy with myself? Yeah. And your appearance is like so reliant on how others are viewing you. So like you're, you, you, you want to love yourself based on these like intrinsic, intrinsic things about yourself. But then your appearance is so hinged on what other people are seeing in addition to what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And like to have your self-love, at least in terms of that regard, in that regard, like be impacted by how others are viewing you. It's just complicated. But also like physical appearances, it's a losing battle because mm. you see all your flaws. You, you know, right. people who are looking at you will probably see all your attributes actually. Yeah. And when you look at yourself, you see all of the flaws, you know, and not to mention like all of, you know, magazines and mm. media and, you know, they're, I, it's funny I was just talking to my partner about this and he was saying they like took the cellulite off of um oh, yeah. Charisse Theron's thigh and it's like Ugh. it's Charisse Theron oh my god I know and, um <laughs> who's the other one just like these gorgeous amazing women and they're like taking folds off of their sides yeah. you know when they're bent in a certain way and it's like you know these women are already like perfect dead gorgeous and it's bad enough that we're like striving to be like them but they're also fixing them and so we're never gonna get to this like ideal that's being like held up for yeah. us well and then you get into the like whose ideal is it and all of exactly <laughs> exactly and i think it's a weird play too when you think about self-love because it's new that we're encouraged to at everyone women and men i think it's new that we're encouraged to embrace this like love yourself love everyone in the love your flaws yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. in the general kind of conversation you saw it more i think historically in some some of the great writers about love you Mm -hmm. know um but that's new and yeah just in terms of other people seeing you differently even even people who don't know you, I think, are more apt to give you the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. as to, you know, who you may be. I, I experience this. It's always really um, not so much startling anymore, but refreshing. I <laughs> I pose for art classes. Oh, shut up. And it's not... <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. I've done it for a long time, like forever, and it has nothing okay, to we'll do with... Okay, we'll have to like, exchange information talk. outside the booth. It has nothing to do with, like, uh, like wanting to show or feeling really confident in my body, because, like, I'm not... I'm like, it's a body, it works, it's good, <laughs> like, it's generally good to me, but, you know... <laughs> but I love walking around the room and seeing how different I look to mm. everyone. I can't believe you're saying that, because that's exactly the reason I want to try it because I'm amazing. so interested in like what are, what is going to be interesting to somebody exactly. else and how that's going to vary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it'd be a great subject for an essay too. And that's people who don't <laughs> know me, so it's yeah. very it's very fun. Like I'm like, oh, all it's right. I didn't, I, I didn't know what mm-hmm. I'm good to know. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, yeah. sorry. Well, I, I can't I can't wait to hear what what you have yeah. for us. Okay, so I um. I'll give you a little bit of backstory to this. So I, I used to be very overweight. Um, I used to have big, thick glasses. I didn't always look like that's really the hard stylish to person in front of you. I was fishing set. for that compliment, so thank no, you. It for, is really hard to believe um, and hard to imagine. And I, I lost a bunch of weight 
uh, right before I went off to college and I began, you know, I lost the glasses, I got contacts mm. and I just started to look, I started to meet a lot of like standard beauty standards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which can be racist, right? And I, I talk about like skin color being a big deal with um, brown skin women like myself, Indian women, um, and the more fair you are, the lighter you are, mm-hmm. the better always, and how mm-hmm. that's complicated and how for someone like myself, I I think about skin color and beauty and self-love a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think about like, where do I draw my self-esteem from? And and the places that I draw that from, you know, they can sometimes be like racist, ugly places, but mm-hmm. they still feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm going to read about cool. just a little bit. <clears throat> Let's see if I can find the beginning. As far as it goes with racist beauty standards, I detest them, but that does not remove their impact on me, at least not entirely. My sense of beauty cannot be divorced from its racist origins, nor can it be isolated from the human urge to be found beautiful. It can only be interrogated. Do I wear sunblock because it prevents the effects of aging? Yes. My vanity runs in numerous directions. I obsess about my weight, my hair, my teeth, as much as I do my skin. But would I wear sunblock if it deliberately made me lighter, like the face on the far right of a tube of fair and lovely? Probably not. That's as confident as I can be. Probably not. I cannot deny that fair skin is nearly always considered more desirable than dark skin and that I am, despite my education and ideals, deeply susceptible to what is perhaps our greatest common weakness, to be found desirable. This is what complicates my relationship to my skin. It's not that I don't love my skin. I have a pleasing color. I redden as much as brown in the summer and often I remind myself of my childhood teddy bear. But that love is hard hard won. I recall the intro to Black Star's Brown Skin Lady, an audio clip from the film Chameleon Street, where a dashiki-clad black character defends his appreciation of the light-complexioned look. I'm a victim, brother. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. The man has programmed my conditioning. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. (laughs) (laughs) There's a painful truth in that comical confession. What anyone may find beautiful about me, what I find and love about myself, is the sum of a universe of influences, some kind, many racist, most spawned by our culturally local moments, our historical zeitgeists. I fight the ones I find unfair. I unravel the ones I don't understand. I aim to love myself. While performing Brown Skin Lady at the 930 Club a few years ago, most deaf scanned the crowd during the last chorus. He theatrically shielded his eyes from the lights and leaned over the edge of each side of the stage. He squatted and peered, shimmying his head from side to side before trotting to another spot to look again. He squinted, searching. The audience was, as is true for many hip-hop shows, largely white. As he eyeballed the women in front, his gaze finally landed on me and my friend Julie, the only two women of color in sight. He grinned pointed his finger first at me. She's a brown-skinned lady, he crooned, pitched far over the edge of the stage, only a few feet from us. He then pointed to Julie and sang to her. The crowd cheered, amused by his difficulty in locating brown-skinned women to serenade for his brown-skinned lady song. (laughs) In that moment, it was I who fit the ideal of the room. Our belief in our own beauty is often, if not always, colored by what others think of us. This can make it a fragile, fleeting thing, 
contingent on ugly, unfair legacies. I am unsure, however, if that makes it feel any less good. Mm. That's it. So moving. Thank you. If you'd like to read the rest of that essay, it's available at my website, sintosraj.com. I Thank can't you. wait to read the rest of that. <laughs> it was very intriguing. Yeah. It was so interesting how, you know, I was following you mm-hmm. and following you and then you turned it on its head and I was like, oh, right. Like it just depends on context yeah. and we are like create this context or, you know, are in a created context and that could easily change. Yeah. And has changed throughout history. I am just speaking of that and to Alice's uh, technique and style. I always <laughs> love hearing your work because you weave things so well. Thank you. You know, you you have this way of bringing in the outside world and and the fact of it, but also this like rhythmic flow that we can go along with you and. And for this one in particular, we were really kind of internalizing with you this that, this idea of self-love. So thank, thank you. you for sharing that. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, thanks for being on the show. And I, I do have a quote for you as well. Um, this is from Mary Oliver, who just Ooh. actually passed away yeah. in January. Um, quote, love yourself, then forget it. Then love the world. Lovely. That's great. To, <laughs> I like that. Thank you. <laughs> Coming up, we have one more guest to share their take on love, who will be joining us virtually. But before that, speaking of the superficiality of love, we have a piece by Stephanie Klein about online dating. Have a listen. This is called Soulmate. I look for love everywhere I go, walking Whole Foods aisles, waiting at District Taco. My phone is my digital eros, sending out pithy Cupid's bows of availability. My heart is open but the wiggle room for deal breakers is narrow. (laughs) I navigate through fields of unsavory nonsense, swiping my way out of wasted time and ghostly trails to nowhere. I want to find love now, before the yellow line train shows up. (laughs) And then I see him, that smile, those eyes, those arms. Photos on the lake, he's paddling like a professional. Game day with the boys, he'd blend in with my friends. And the puppy. Cue the conditioned swoon. My heart's fingers are crossed. Let's hope nothing horrible is in his profile. No feminist AF or I live a healthy lifestyle. Hmm, good school, good job, good hobbies. Uh, what's this? Dislikes lemon pepper chicken wings? Huh, I don't know how to swipe for that. (laughs) Now that I think about it, lemon pepper wings suck. Who wants the crispy yet succulent excitement of a chicken wing with all the flavor and pizzazz of a 1980s banquet cutlet? (laughs) I applaud this man, this bastion of decisiveness, on knowing what he likes and what he doesn't, and not being afraid to articulate it. I shall swipe right, and we shall be awesome together. Wait, not liking lemon pepper wings is oddly specific for profile, right? Like, too specific. Like he's looking for a needle in a haystack. Why do I need to conform to such a narrow view of what love can be? Screw you, lemon pepper wing guy. 
I swipe left with extreme prejudice. And then I see him. That smile, those eyes, that hair. Thank you. over the phone to share their take on love as inspiration. Taylor Johnson has been a longtime participant with The Inner Loop, uh, but recently moved to Louisiana to finish work on their book. And we're very excited to speak with you today. Welcome, Taylor. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me, Courtney and Rachel. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. So tell us about your take on love. Oh, man, that's really intense. Um, <laughs> it feels like everything. It feels like kind of the motive for living, you know what I mean? Like, if that isn't why we're doing what we're doing, I don't really know what we're doing, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> totally. I, when I think about it, um, I don't know. I think poetry, I, I love poems because they teach me so much. And I think within, like, interpersonal relationships, I look for that same kind of uh, teaching, you know what I mean, to be... Mm-hmm a mirror and also to to teach me something about myself that I couldn't see you know Mm. yeah I I feel like most poems can be love poems you know what I mean because I think that it's it's a form that comes from the creative impulse so it's like there's a level of passion behind that and desire behind that so it's inherently kind of an erotic experience which is you know on the corner of love at least a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, so but I also um, wouldn't say that I write specifically love poems when I'm thinking about writing about love, you know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily feel like, oh, I'm going to sit down and write this love poem about a person I love or an experience that I love, you know what I mean? Um, right. I feel like yeah. that's exactly what Courtney and I were talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're like, the only way you can write about love is to, like, not set out yeah. writing about love. <laughs> Don't think about it. Yeah. yeah. Right. But and a teacher told me one time that uh, a love poem has to have like all the elements of the other side of the love in that poem for it to be a good love poem. Because you can't just have a love poem that has no stakes and it's all like pretty and beautiful. It's not interesting, you know what I mean? It's also not real. What do you mean the other side? I mean, I feel like there's a lot of insecurities that most people bring into love or thinking about love. So there's always another side to what someone is feeling, you know what I mean? It's not, it could be hypothetical, it doesn't have to be present all the time, but it's just like, there's, there's a duality in the situation, not sort of duality, but like, there are other complicated emotions that go into the emotion of love. Right. So do you have um, any poems to read for us on this subject? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Brooklyn poem. Love on the bridge. I can't stop singing about how clean you broke me. Deny me again, love on the fire escape, saying, never mind, never mind, speaking low. If all this ends, let me say now that in my solitude, I pace around the winter. You press me up against my kitchen wall. You were an appeal to my loneliness, not its end. We swallowed the white light, chanted the same lament down. I wanted to burn money with you or for you, no matter, baby, 
immateriality is our ontological birthright. A hard cider, the light in my hands, then levitation. Love on the light bus, love holding my hand up Fulton. Love giving me your cheek, letting my hand slip. I thought you came here with some music, some tending to. <laughs> Taylor, I miss your voice. <laughs> Thanks. Let's hear another. Do you have another? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're so good. I just want to. Like cool. This is a review for Blue and Green by Miles Davis. It's raining, has to be raining. Someone in the corner room is in love with you, loves you enough to touch their body, wants you to watch, pull up a chair. The horn asks, how long has it been since? And there are a number of feelings you're in need of. You're not sadness, but near. Down one road in your mind, you're walking alone. Down another, everyone is your wife. The horn asks temperance, obedience. In the corner room, the day bed pressed to spark against the wall. She came. When you leaned in to know about it, you wish she would have slapped your hand away, wish to unhear your name falling out of her. Hmm. It's funny um, listening to your poems after you were saying that you feel like love, everything's about love. It's like our, it's like the reason or sort of, it's like the driving force of, for all of us because the two poems we heard, you know, they're about love, but they're also not at all about love mm-hmm. at the same time. Like yeah. it sort of took me to all these other places where I wasn't thinking about love. So it's very interesting how you incorporated love with everything like you were saying yeah i mean the poem should kind of be a, a panopticon in a way or a little bit omnipresent as much as it can be yeah yeah that last one <clears throat> i find myself very inspired when i listen to music um mm-hmm. and we were talking a little bit about how song and songwriting is when you think of as like the epitome of of love writing Mm -hmm. Um, there's something inherent in in the shared experience of music that lends itself to yeah (laughs) i mean i think yeah i mean i feel like if you're um i think about being in a club or being at a party you know what i mean and there's someone who you find attractive and you are close to them and you're not saying anything but you hear music together like that's such an erotic experience and which could lead to Mm. love you know what i mean but also in that moment you guys are both in love with that particular moment and a particular sound so there's like a whole energy generated from that you know that (laughs) happening and it could be so fleeting but it's like it's here and it was good and now it's gone you know Uh, I love the, I love describing listening to music with a stranger as very erotic because I've totally felt that but sort of not known how to articulate it. Mm -hmm. Can we hear one more, Taylor? Club 2718, because I don't have the juice or enough gold anything to enter a room that occasionally exists inside of me is the poorly lit dance floor of Club 2718. Thirst is a way of knowing not knowing. I was on a gin-fueled hunt for big asses and music I could cry to. A woman almost twice my age asks where I've been, and she shuts the door. 
like any American, what haunts me is my addiction to private property, not time or blackness. I want to love no one in particular. The way I say I love my woman when she's in the doorway and mad at me. There were days I believed my grandfather owned my grandmother, kept her overfed and out of the sun in the back room. Occasionally a room exists inside of me where Johnny Hartman and John Coltrane's one and only love plays on repeat. On repeat too is a video of my grandfather dancing a limber leg shuffle and singing across the wall to my grandmother. To love like him is to be a student of regret. To abide by regret is to watch grief turn to ecstasy. I wept in the winter when I left my woman. I wept in the heat when she came back. Yeah. Oh, I really like how you were able to span generations with that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I felt like it was like um, a brilliant example of the universal feeling of love. It like calls to people in the past, people in the future. Yeah. At the same time. And that kind of, like, you have described it a little as earlier, it's more of like this flow of energy that's like constantly kind of in and out and around through time and place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for letting me read those. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show and taking the yeah. time to chat with us. We miss yeah. you in DC. <laughs> Yo, I, I miss I miss that place sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> I don't though. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair too. <laughs> Thank you for missing me though. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been reading quotes for each of the guests. So I have actually have a quote from Frederick Nietzsche for you. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> um, it goes, quote, there's always some madness in love, but yeah. there's also always some reason in madness. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> right. Thanks so much, Taylor, for joining Thank us. Thank you. Now we have a piece from Sam Mahone with his take on a Shakespeare sonnet. After that, we explore microscopic love. Stay tuned. Should I call you pretty like a June breeze, like even better? It's raining on my flowers and summer doesn't warm me up fuzzy. My queer tarot porn cards tell too much truth, shining from a golden armpit. And it's fair, 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 unfair looking luck, or which god's godly indulged fate. But you're a wet hat party of fun, chills that language tells me I must own to enjoy. Every trauma of bitter drink cuts away. So long, lovely, so long, tender face. I wish and wish and wish and...
before we let you go, we just had to share this hilarious piece about love. This is called the ad. Single-celled organism seeks same. Must have thin, permeable membrane. No fatties. <laughs> Enjoys proteins, nucleic acids, basic elements, and minerals. Kinky. Like splitting apart into separate beings. Interested in long-term relationship leading to evolutionary development. Gills, legs, scales, fur, skin. Brain that thinks, feels, suffers greatly, loves badly, hates well. Find me in hot pea soup of life. I'll be wearing a bow tie. Pseudopods raised to the sky. So it goes downhill from there. <laughs> that was... <laughs> that was Don Illich, a brilliant poet, reading his poem entitled The Ad. Before we let you go, we just have a couple little lovey things that we want to share with yeah. you. And Courtney has brought... Tom Robbins is one of my favorite writers of all time. Oh. And he is sarcastic and sardonic and brilliant. And <laughs> um, it's funny that he often writes about love kind of unintentionally. Well, he doesn't do anything unintentionally, but in just such a way that's like, damn boy, yeah, that's like, that's the real, <laughs> you know? Um <laughs> And so many of you probably know Still Life with Woodpecker. Well, then I guess in all fairness, I should say one more thing about making love stay. When the mystery of the connection goes, love goes. It's that simple. This suggests that it isn't love that is so important to us, but the mystery itself. The love connection may be merely a device to put us in contact with the mystery, and we long for love to last so that the ecstasy of being near the mystery will last. It is contrary to the nature of mystery to stand still, yet it's always there, somewhere, a world on the other side of the mirror, or the camel pack, which is a reference to the book, a promise in the next pair of eyes that smile at us. We glimpse it when we stand still. The romance of new love, the romance of solitude, the romance of object of objecthood, the romance of ancient pyramids and distant stars, and means of making contact with the mystery our means of making contact with the mystery. When it comes to perpetuating it, however, I got no advice, but I can and will remind you of two of the most important facts I know. One, everything is part of it. Two, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. <laughs> <laughs> what an unexpected I know, thing. <laughs> I know. But I feel like so much of our pain and, and inability totally. to love comes from I'm this, way into psychoanalysis. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a little bit of that's a little bit of Tom for us. <laughs> love it. <laughs> well, that's our show. Um but before we let you go, I, I did wanna turn to a more serious note. Um, the country hasn't been this politically divided since the Civil War. Mass shootings are becoming an everyday occurrence, and we live in a digital age where we can make someone disappear when we disagree with them. Mm. February isn't just the month of Valentine's Day, it's also Black History Month. So let's remember Martin Luther King Jr., who said, quote, I've decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. That's thank you. <laughs> but no, really, it's we, man, I think we all need to be reminded of that a bit now and then. Absolutely. 
Um, so join us next month for another hour of literary inspiration. To find out more about us or submit to read at our next event, visit us at www.theinnerlooplit.com. Today's episode was produced by me, Rachel Kuntz. Our theme music is by Andrew Logan, and our technical manager is James Skinner. Thanks again to Payman Alavirdizadeh, Alice Sendosaraj, and Taylor Johnson for joining us on the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or any other streaming site you use. Podcasts thrive on reviews like yours, so if you want to support The Inner Loop, take the time to tell the world why you love us. Because we love you. We do. Subscribe, please. (laughs) Subscribe. (laughs) Down there and subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) So you never miss an episode. Um, (laughs) Happy writing and happy Valentine's Day. Happy love. (laughs) Go and love everyone. (sighs) Good night. (laughs) Thank you and good night.